Okay, pot on peeps. Super excited about today's episode where Julie and I are going to be joined by Golly Kalkaran, longtime friend of the show and studio pod. Golly is a lawyer turned entrepreneur, which is sort of just a fancy way of saying she tried to quit law. And she did quit law. She tried a bunch of things after she quit law. And she happened upon an idea that she turned into a business and a brand. That brand is Lessons from a Quitter, which includes a podcast where she uses her platform to destigmatize quitting and provide resources and inspiration to individuals looking to pivot their established career. Julian and I resonate with Golly the moment we met her in LA at Podcast Evolutions just over a year ago, as Julian and I have both left our careers to start a podcast production company, which is now StudioPod. I hope you all enjoy this episode and take little nuggets of what it takes to start a podcast. And also, some risks you need to take. And honestly, and understanding that there's going to be a little bit of failure, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned on this show. So enjoy, golly, and here we go. This is the Pod On Podcast. We're your host, TJ Bonavitura, that's me, and Julian Lewis. That's me. As founders of a podcast media company, we had to start a podcast. So join us each episode as we and our guests drop knowledge on podcasting for you, the curious and scrappy podcaster. Welcome back to the Pod On Podcast. Today we have an extra special guest, a guest that we met at our first podcast conference. What was that? Podcast Evolutions, right before the pandemic hit. Golly, we met in the hall, I believe. TJ and I had spread stickers all over the entryway table just to try to get the word out on StudioPod, and we just ran into you. Yeah, you guys were actually wearing matching jackets, which was a really nice touch, a real nice touch. And actually, it's really smart because it was like an icebreaker because it gave me, I think we were just standing next to each other and I was like, how do I get one of those jackets? Like we were just, I don't know. (laughs) So then we started talking there, which was nice. Yeah, and I think the thing about that conference for us, it was a little intimidating because we we were just getting started together on the business. And it was like, we don't know what to expect. We don't know who we're going to run into, but it was such a great opportunity to meet great people like you who were in different stages of what you do in podcasting. And so with this particular episode, we really want to dive into how you got into podcasting. But first, I think it's very important for people to understand what you were doing before you started your podcast. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, in another life, I was a lawyer for a number of years. So my career was doing what I was supposed to do, going to school, going to law school, becoming a lawyer. And I worked as a lawyer for a number of years. And then in 2014, I decided to walk away. I was really unhappy in that career. And I was very lost as to what I wanted to do because it was the only thing I'd ever done. It's the only thing I'd ever worked for. It's the only skills I had. And so I was terrified, but I also was kind of committed to not spending the next 35 years being unhappy. And so I was like, you know what, I got to figure this out. And so I left really having no idea what I was going to do. And long story short, I spent about four years building another business, a photo booth company, figuring out, like jumping into entrepreneurship, really discovering who I am, doing a lot of that kind of interpersonal journey work. And then in that time, two years in, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was really changing my mindset through listening to podcasts. It was the first time that I was really discovering another way that I didn't have to kind of stay stuck. And so 
I loved the medium of podcasting, like from the beginning, because I had a baby in 2014. So it was just really helpful when I was, you know, cleaning around the house or I was at home to like listen to podcasts. So I was consuming a lot of podcasts. And then I started having this idea of interviewing people who had quit very successful professional careers careers that most people would think you're crazy kind of to walk away from and then doing something completely different because I would get so many of my law school friends, law firm friends, you know, just people that would find out that I left and they would confide like, I wish I could leave. You're so lucky. Why don't we talk about this? That like so many people are miserable, but they feel stuck. We're just wasting our lives away in places that we hate. And so I had this idea for two years and I didn't In 2016, I knew I was going to eventually start a podcast about this, but I had all these, you know, limiting beliefs and all these other stories about why I couldn't, why I wasn't the one to do it, and who am I, and why would anyone listen to me, and all that other BS that I had to get over. And it was just like it wouldn't go away. Like I kept being like, okay, maybe later, maybe right now is not the time. And I remember actually, like in 2018, like I would (laughs) incessantly check. I would browse podcasts and I always had the fear that somebody else was going to start it. I was going to see the podcast that was exactly this topic and I knew I would be filled with regret. And so in 2018, I saw like another podcast that was similar. It wasn't about this, but it was about, it's called Don't Keep Your Day Job with Kathy Heller. It's like a pretty big podcast. And I just remember that sinking feeling. Oh, it's like, you know, very closely related. Not that you can't, obviously there's a lot of podcasts on the same topic, but at the time with my like mindset, it was just the awakening that I needed that I was like, put this freaking podcast out, stop stalling. Like you want to do it, just do it already. And so I just decided to put it out there and I had no idea really what it was going to become. I didn't have an idea about like monetizing from it. I didn't have an idea of turning it into a business. I was just like, I want to have this conversation. I have this conversation all the time with people in private. People ask me about it because I had taken the leap I started seeing the story everywhere. I would see like news articles about people that had quit, be at parties talking to people and they'd be like, oh, I used to be a lawyer and I quit and I'm doing this. And I'm like, what? I never heard these stories when I was a lawyer. So anyways, it's not long story short. It's long story long now. It took all of that for me to put it out in 2018 and really just start interviewing other people. And I called it Lessons from a Quitter. And it's obviously tongue in cheek and it's meant to kind of change the idea that we have around quitting and these like, false beliefs that we have that like once you pick something you have to kind of stick to that even if you you know you pick something at 18 and then you're never allowed to change your mind you always have to persist and so I really wanted to show like you can start over and you can do something else thanks for sharing that it's very serendipitous that we met at that conference because our stories align pretty well where in 2016 I had the idea of creating a studio to help people have a turnkey option to create their podcast. And then it wasn't until 2018 that I ultimately decided to jump all in. And then Julian came on board and kind of the rest was history. But I think for the our audience, will be history. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. For our audience, where I think it really resonates, and you know, everyone has like that moment where they're like, we want to do something. You know, for us specifically, it's podcasting. I read a book, you know, When to Jump by Mike Lewis that was very influential for me. And it was kind of like that moment of like, oh shit, I'm, I got to do this. It's going to be an, if I don't scratch it, it's going to be 35 years later, like you said. And I'm just, what have I done? For our audience and our ultimately our clients that come in who want to start a podcast, they have this idea and they have this itch that they want to scratch, but they don't really know that first step is that they should take. And back in 2016, you could just start a show. 
right? And you were able to, you know, have a really niche topic that you wanted to talk about. And ultimately people would listen. Now the market's gotten very saturated. There's probably two or three shows that exist around the topic that you want to chat about. So we are encouraging a lot of our clients to use the podcast as a larger arm towards their, you know, macro brand. Can you speak to like how you have built the lessons of a quitter brand around the podcast? Totally. Yeah. I kind of did it backwards. I think I just did it because I really wanted to to have this conversation and I didn't have a plan. And now I definitely use it as an arm of marketing for my business. And I think when, if you have more of a brand that you want to create, really special thing about podcasting is that it's such an intimate medium. So part of brand work, like any type of marketing is building your They call it the no like, and trust factor. You want to build a relationship with people because people buy because of that relationship, right? People hire you, people trust you. And like, once you can build that, it's easier to get over objections. It's easier for you to sell whatever that you are selling and for people to trust you. And so it's, I think the best medium when you look at a lot, other mediums are great at other things, but podcasting, it's not the best, I would say in like width. So if you're trying to go viral or you're trying to go like get huge numbers, podcasting is not the place to do that. But from the people that are going to find you and then you're like in their ear every week and you're talking to them about the thing that they're coming to you for, it creates an unparalleled level of intimacy between you and your listeners. And so it creates like they feel like they know you. I feel like this, you know, with the podcasters I listen to, like I feel like they're in my living room and they're just talking to me and I trust them so much more. And so I think when you look at it that way, that's where I try to go the deepest is in my podcast, like my material in my podcast is going to be the people that really do want to work with me go there. And then, you know, Instagram, all that other stuff, TikTok, like those are more wit. It's like we are more trying to get more people to know who you are. I love that you talk about it as an intimate medium. And just an example of a couple weeks ago, and then last night, I was pitching two individuals on executing a starter pack with us where we can just help them get started because we want to remove that barrier. And then we want to give them options afterwards of like how they can work with us. And in that conversation that we had, it was through a mutual connection. Before we had the conversation, she had gone to our website, saw a picture of TJ and I, and then she listened to an episode of the Pod on podcast. And she said, I can see why I would want to work with y'all because of your personalities. And I think it gives you such a great piece of marketing for somebody to discover you and already have an idea of who you are. You're not necessarily like a scummy salesperson who's trying to get you to buy something exactly to your point, but you're a human behind that. And I think for me, having worked at a large platform in Pinterest, that's very well known. It wasn't hard to get in the door, but it was still hard to make a sale because I was a salesperson coming to them. I wasn't somebody who was trying to add value out of the gates by having them on my show or having a conversation. Yeah. And I think that like right now in this world of oversaturation of everywhere, you know, like there's influencers on every platform, there's people trying to sell you all the time, every single day, everyone's vying for your attention. It can feel very quickly like overwhelming. And I think a lot of people have a lot of distrust. And so I just think that it really helps you find who your people are. And another great thing is like, it helps you find who your people aren't, you know, somebody might listen to your podcast and just know that they don't want to work with you. And that's just as good of an understanding as it is finding the people because you just want to know who's going to be your best clients, who you're going to work well with. It takes exactly what you're saying. Like you don't then have to do tons of sales calls or create this whole funnel and nurture them. Your podcast does that all on its own. 
Yeah, that's, that's so great that you said that. And then Joe and I were smiling when you mentioned getting a no is just as good as a yes. It's an old sales adage that we always used to have where it's like, no, what if they say no, good. I don't have to spin my wheels with them. Now we can focus on the potential real clients or the people that are really serious about creating, in this case, a podcast. I want to touch on a little bit of when you first got started, right? Like what were some measurements and goals that you had for yourself as you began to record, as you began to edit, as you really wanted to get your show off the ground. And I think you're well over a hundred episodes. Yeah, I'm at 130. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a big number. It's it a is, big number. Yeah. I know. It's, it's like two years worth. Yep, it is. It's two almost two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super proud of that. And that's actually the only measurement I really was focusing on when I started. I told myself, I'm going to do this for a year, come hell or high water. I'm going to put out an episode every single week for one year, and then I can reassess because I know the drama that lives inside your brain. And I know every week my brain would be like checking stats and being like, this isn't worth it. Nobody's listening. You shouldn't do it. And I, somebody, I'd heard somebody say beforehand that like it takes a year of podcasting to really feel like you know what you're doing, you know, like to get an understanding of your brand, to really get an understanding, like get for it to feel smooth. And so I was like, okay, we're just not going to second guess it. And that's honestly like why I picked podcasting too, is like talking is easier for me than writing. Like I knew if I picked a blog, I wouldn't put out a blog like every week. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't write it. I'd find an excuse. Having an excuse to talk to someone every week was just Christmas morning. I love that stuff, you know? So I'm like, I could do this all day long. And so I just decided I'm not going to obsess over metrics. I'm not going to obsess over how many downloads it is or what's happening. I mean, I was looking at growth and I was looking at when I have certain guests and who shares and does their platform matter and are they, where is this making a difference and where, what platforms should I be on? Sure. Like I was looking at all that, but my focus the first year was just put out a podcast every single week. That's your job is like making sure that everyone knows on Tuesday, there's going to be a new podcast. And so I'm so glad I did that because there would have been, I would have quit if I didn't, right? There's a reason there's pod fade. There's a reason that so many people think it's not worth it. I don't think they give it the time that it requires to build an audience for you to figure out what you're doing, like figure out systems, figure out a marketing plan. And so that's really all I cared about in the beginning. What was the hardest week in that year? Meaning I've had moments where I've been in my garage, it's like Sunday night trying to publish an episode for Monday. And this is obviously what was like the hardest day or the hardest time? Yeah. I mean, I definitely had times. I don't remember the exact time, but I definitely had, I would say there's two different times where it was really hard. One is like when technology just isn't working with you, you know? So it's like the episode didn't record. You try to upload it. It's not upload. You know, it's like, you want to just throw the computer and I'm like, I don't even want to do this anymore. This is like too bad. And that doesn't happen that often, but there was definitely moments of like that kind of frustration. But I just think we don't accept the fact that like self-doubt is going to be a part of the process and like it's normal. And I think there was definitely times where I was questioning, why am I doing this? Is this worth all this work? Is this making a difference? Is anyone even listening? No one's responding to my, you know, no one's even engaging with my posts. Nobody cares, you know? And so when you kind of go on those little spirals and I would get to a place because I had two young kids at the time, like when I started in 2018, my daughter was under a year. My son was like four, five. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I didn't have a business strategy. I didn't have like a plan. And so I think I felt lost in a lot of it. What am I even going to do with this? You know, it was very clear that I wasn't going to be like a huge podcast where I was going to get like marketing money, sponsorship revenue. And so 
that was the hardest was getting to a place where it's, is it worth it? Because there's no right or wrong answer, right? Like nobody else could tell me if it was worth it or not, or if it was going to be like, I would listen to things that motivated me, but I definitely had weeks where I was ready to pack it in. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. So what did you use as motivation then? Like, what did you use to persevere? Because I think like this instant gratification of podcasting is something that is long since past us, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. And we see all these articles, right? So like, what, what did you use for motivation? Yeah. I mean, luckily I was doing a lot of work on my mindset. Like that's what I coach on now. And I became really obsessed with mindset work because I was really obsessed with figuring out like why I was on this roller coaster all the time. And I felt like I couldn't control like my own emotions and stuff. And so because of that work, I just was following people who were giving that same message that like, it's not going to be, it doesn't have to be a quick thing. Persistence is what's going to kind of get you there and building slowly. And so sometimes it was just on an act of faith. And again, this is what I'm saying is like, I think that making that deal with myself to do it for a year really helped because I was like, you know what? Like we've already decided we're doing this for a year. So stop. You can be as upset as you want, but we're doing this for the next 20 episodes. So just buckle up and do it, you know? And so sometimes it's just pushing through, but a lot of it was me really working on my mindset and realizing like, why am I doing this? Right. If I'm loving why I'm doing it, like, why am I getting so caught in the metrics or people not responding the way I want to and whatnot. And so it was a, a really a lot of like focusing back on like why I was doing it and managing my own mind through that process. That's phenomenal. So at what point was it in the first year? Or was it after the first year that you're like, you know what, I'm enjoying doing the podcast, but having these conversation is making me want to turn it into more than just a podcast. Yeah, it was like around the one year mark. I mean, I was thinking about it throughout And again, it was a lot of limiting beliefs of like, I can't help people and why, you know, like I'm just going to have these conversations, but I kept getting people messaging me or emailing me, reaching out with the same problems, the same question, the same stuckness, the same fears. It was like the same exact person, like the same brain. And so I started offering like free offer to help them, or I would just get on a phone and try to like figure out like what was stopping them, or I would help them in my Facebook group, like my free Facebook group. and so many people started telling me like how helpful it was and how much like it had changed the way they thought about it and whatnot. So then it was like right after the first year that I was like, let me try and just launch a group program and see like if I can get a group of people where we work together and we like figure out so they can figure out what it is they want to do and stuff. And so I just started kind of, I had been learning more about like online businesses and I'd seen a lot of people launch courses and coaching programs And again, I had a lot of the imposter syndrome of like, who am I to do this? But I guess like one of the good qualities I have is I I can push through a lot of my, I mean, after you walk away from being a lawyer, I feel like I kind of dealt with like the, okay, I'm afraid, but like, I'm going to do it anyways. And so I was just like, okay, let me just try. If nobody signs up, nobody signs up. And then people signed up and then people had like really great results and people loved it. And I started realizing that I love that work more than I like the podcast. Like I loved the one-on-one work. I loved the coaching aspect. And so it really started from that. And I started doing a coaching thing. And then I went and I got a certification as a mindset life coach, but focusing like really on mindset work and like helping people kind of get out of their own way. And then, you know, last year was like really when I kind of went all in on the business aspect of it. That's awesome. We're definitely following up on the mindset life coach. I was telling TJ that I want to do mirror meditations. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we could. That could be another topic that we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to talk about is because you mentioned that you do some pods where you're recording by yourself. Sometimes you're having different guests on. 
a big challenge that we see with a lot of our clients and a bottleneck is the idea of finding the right guest for your show that's going to resonate with your audience. And not just the content of what you're going to be talking about, but actually facilitating that scheduling of getting the recording done and all of that effort that goes into it. What have you learned in your process of, you know, 130 episodes in that could, you know, maybe offer a little bit of help or advice for our listeners? Yeah, I would say the first hundred were all interviews. Maybe I did like one or two podcasts here and there where it was like a year in review or something. But again, it was all my limiting beliefs of, well, people don't want to listen to me or, you know, it's like they're here for the interviews and it's a lot of work. Like there's no really two ways about it because I was very protective of who I brought on the show. Like I really wanted it to be people that fit the criteria of somebody that had worked to create a career and then quit and went to something completely different. And I had a VA that helped me reach out to people. I started getting pitched more. So like that sort of helped find some people. And it's funny because once you put it out there, like I would get a lot of people that would just like listeners or, you know, family, friends, friends who would, you know, see somebody on like NBC or whatever that was talking about that. And they would like message me like, you should reach out to this person. So I found out a lot of people that way. I would just cold email them and be like, hey, I have this podcast. I would love for you to come on. That was a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Like since I've switched my format to doing mostly solo episodes with sprinkling in some guest interviews. It's just opened up because I control when I, you know, record my solo episodes and I can batch them and I can do like four in a row and I can. And so it makes it a lot easier. Whereas you're right where, you know, when you're doing interviews, it's based on both parties schedules. It's harder to find something that works. It's harder to find someone that you like, that's a good fit, that agrees to come on that. So it's like, there's a lot more steps. And I would say I wanted to do solo episodes probably like six months before I actually started. And once I did it, it was amazing how much my audience wanted that, you know? And like, I was just hiding behind that fear again. But so many have told me that like, they like the interviews, but like they listen for me. And so they want to hear Because I always think like, why do you care what I think? You know, like what, what you should do for your life. And hearing that like they, you know, that is why they are listening to you. And so to experiment. I think so often we get so precious with our podcasts. Like, this is the way it is. And like, it's an hour long and it's every week. It's like, okay, well, switch it up. Try a 30-minute solo one and see what happens. You know, I think a lot of times like we are too scared to take those risks. I would say that's my biggest advice is every time I've pivoted or done something else, it's always worked out really well. And so I'm learning that to like be less afraid and make those changes like each time a little bit faster. I love that you say that. And, you know, that's one of the things that we try to do with our hosts is instill confidence in them, knowing that no matter what, no matter how great of a guest or high profile of a guest that they have, at the end of the day, people are coming back for them. And that's feedback that I got. TJ and I are part of a group that met in person. It was a meetup group in this hot seat and get feedback. And people are like, we want to hear your voice more. And I was like, oh, Okay. Like I was interviewing couples. So I was like, why do you want to hear my voice? But they're like, you're the one who's like tying it all together. And so I love that that was a discovery that you had. And I think more and more people should feel confident that over time, maybe use a guest as a crutch in the beginning, but over time, get confident and you have the ability to really manage and own that show. Yeah. And I think it also goes to like what you're saying there, Julian, and also golly, what you were saying in terms of just going and recording, giving yourself like, I'm going to do a year's worth of recording right? It will probably be rough like early on, right? And you're going to be really hard on yourself and that's going to lean into the pod fade and you're going to have this moment of lack of confidence. But 
as you continue to record and force yourself to record, you'll learn and you'll ultimately be at a place where you have the confidence of maybe taking a shot and doing a solo recording, right? I think all of it ties in together and oftentimes super hard on ourselves. And it kind of goes back into the idea of just like leaving your job for something that you're passionate. That's all kind of a scary jump. Absolutely. And I think to piggyback off that a little bit is you hear this all the time, but I think I really want people to like hear it and like take it in is that you're always comparing your step one to someone else's step 20 or step 30 or whatever, a year 10 and you're in year one and you think that you have to have everything figured out and you think it has to be perfect and you can never change it because like so-and-so, you know, you listen to these podcasts and it's like, you're not seeing what that person was starting at. Like every single person, when you start digging, it's like, there are no overnight successes. There really aren't. And the more you're willing to kind of give yourself permission to start messy and to be fully human and understand that everybody is starting like that and there can be mistakes. One of the things that I think my audience always says like they love about my show and following me is that like, I'm very committed to showing all of my messiness. So like I in no way try to portray that I have it together or that I'm perfect. And first of all, it makes it easier for me because I don't have to put on an act to be perfect. So like when I mess up or I send an email to my newsletter that was wrong or, you know, I didn't, the link isn't working or something, they kind of understand that I'm like, look, hey, we're failing forward together. Here we go. Here's the link again. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be this brand that has this huge team behind them that's doing everything exactly right. And I think when you can take that pressure off, you're somebody that's figuring it out. You're trying something. You're going to mess up. Just plan for that. You're going to fail. And that's totally fine. It doesn't mean you're not good at it or you can't, you know, you don't have a future in it or anything. When you take that pressure of perfectionism off, it makes it so much more fun. You're like, okay, like I'm going to try. And when I fail, I'll get back up and I'll do it again. I love that. Removing that bear. And you said like, it's easy for you to be you and show that side. I mean, the first time you do it, you might not be hard for you to say it out loud that like, yeah, I messed up. But like once you do and people don't rip you apart, you're like, oh, I could just be me. What? And I'm just like, you give people permission to be them. This is what I'm saying is like, I think people are like, oh, like it's sort of comforting. I think in this day and age of social media, where a lot of times people, it may look like you're looking at other people and they have their lives together. A lot of the people that I coach, a lot of people that I are in my programs, we always joke about it because I'm like, if I could build a business like this, being this kind of a hot mess, you can do it too, you know? And it's like, it gives them permission to be like, nothing is going to define you, like one mistake or whatnot. And so I think if we could all just stop trying to act like we have it together. And I mean, I always say this, like one of my biggest things, like nobody has any idea what they're doing. Everyone's just figuring it out. We're all just taking one step and putting it in front of the other. And when you can adopt that, I feel like it makes it easy for you, but it also gives permission to your listenership and your your customers to be full humans. It's so funny because we get so many awesome ideas that come through, you know, our window or our doorways of the studio where like, hey, I have this idea for a podcast and it's really awesome and it's got to be super tailored. And then they start asking, what if I did this? Or what if I did that? You know, what if I did a half interview? Or what if I did a super long narrative style podcast? And we're like, just do it. Try it. Risk, learn from it. And they're like, wait, what? You're supposed to tell me what to do. And it's like, sometimes we don't know what to do. You know, like we're figuring it out too on our end. We're trying some new styles, you know, here at Studio Pod and we want to offer that up. I'm going to give you an example of this really quickly. I'm not saying I recommend this, but I just want people to understand. So, you know, my platform's called Lessons from a Quitter. So I always talk about career stuff and changes and all that. Last May in 2020, when 
after George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter movement was, you know, there was all the protests everywhere. And I used to be a criminal defense attorney. So I have a unique knowledge of the criminal justice system in America. I used to be a public defender. So I understand kind of from that lens of like the problems with the criminal justice system. And I was very, you know, I think everybody was in a place where it was like, I didn't care about my business at the time. And I just figured like, I can help. I have this platform. I'm just going to, I did a bunch, I did a couple podcast episodes. I did a IGTV. I don't do IGTVs, like videos at all, but I did like a video on the criminal justice system and the problem with it and what stuff. And I did a TikTok. Blew up, okay? So like my audience went from 6,000 people to 19,000 people in a week, okay? My in TikTok, I went from like, I don't know, 20,000. I have 125,000 followers on TikTok now. It exploded, okay? That's not the thing I talk about, Right. And what's funny is I was like, okay, when that's kind of, and I did a bunch of other videos on it. And then I transitioned back to the things that I normally talk about over time, over the months. And I kept thinking like, well, I'm probably lose a bunch of followers because like they're not here for that. I can't tell you how many customers I've gotten from people that found me because of that. And they were interested in, and then like stuck around because they actually need this help too. And I say this just to say like, I think like we as brands, quote unquote, it's like we think we're stuck in one thing and you're not allowed to be, like I say, like my whole thing about my platform is like, it's just all me. Like I'm a multifaceted person. I have different views on a lot of different things. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm not going to limit myself to like, this is all I ever talk about and I can never talk about anything else and I can never do anything else. And again, for myself, like anytime I've gone with that gut, I want to address this. It's worked out. And so I, if this helps in any way, I think it was a good lesson for me. But like, again, people want you to be a full human. They don't necessarily need you to just be a brand. And so the more you put yourself in a box that I can only talk about this or I can only, and I don't want to lose anything. A lot of times you give up on opportunities to connect with people in different ways to grow your audience in other ways. And it just makes it more fun. It makes it more fun to be able to show up fully as yourself. Yeah, so there is two huge takeaways that I took from that. I mean, so many more, but like two free ones <laughs> yeah. is from your platform, just because you quit what you were doing before doesn't mean you don't have that. You can add it to what you're going to do next. 100%. I think that was huge. But then also earlier, you're talking about just being real. Like I messed up. I didn't have a link in my newsletter or whatever. It didn't work, whatever it is. But in addressing something that was going on in the world, like you truly went from real to being a human and that's what attracted others to you. And now you can go back to your regular scheduled program and knowing that if something else happened, you can address it again and feel comfortable doing so. And I think that's what's so hard about a brand that tries to step into those conversations is that they don't do that on a normal basis. You don't know who's behind it. And for them, like that's why they should probably have things like podcasts where their voice is out there more. But it's like one of those things that's such a great piece of advice. It's just like you don't have to be one dimensional. Just be yourself be real, be human, you can add value to your users and find others through doing that. Totally. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits, the pros of not being that big, you know, like one of the beauties of starting out kind of small and not having a huge audience is that you don't have to be this put together brand that is one dimensional, you know, like you have the ability to connect with your audience on a real human level. And again, like we just talked about in the beginning, it's also like great because it shows you who's not for you. And that's perfect too, you know? Like I'm sure there's a lot of people that found me and then didn't like that. And I don't necessarily care that they didn't stick around, you know? And so I just think like the more you get to show up in that way, 
we're always afraid of what we're going to lose. And I just think like for me, this lesson was like, you don't realize how much you can gain, just like how much more fun it becomes, how much more, you know, you gain an audience. I was literally having a similar conversation with my wife the other day because I have such a love-hate relationship for social media, having worked in it for such a long time. And I just, it's hard for me because it's like, sometimes I'm like, I want to say stuff, whatever I want to say, I want to say it. And then sometimes I'm just like, but why? Like, what's the point? Like, I don't want to make you feel bad or I don't want to get a response from people, you know? And so I think whatever you do, find a platform that works for you and just be yourself. And I think that's ultimately how you can grow. I think you're absolutely right. I think we're all still learning our relationship with social media. And I think for most people, it's a love-hate relationship. And there's so many wonderful things and there's so many horrible things. And it's really figuring out. And even with me, this is what I say, like, I'm still figuring it out. You know, it's like I did that and I now have, I given myself more license to show up. But I go through the same thing every day. I'm like, is this worth posting about? Like, do I want to deal with all the DMs I'm going to get about this? Not really. Like, do it, you know, and sometimes I choose not to. And so I think that's just part of the game too, is figuring out what can I do to preserve my own energy and still show up the way that I want to. And I agree exactly with what you said, like figure out the platforms that work for you and just stay on those and don't try to do everything. So I think this is a good opportunity to tie it up because you just went and gave us so much advice. But if you had to narrow it down to, and remember our audience here is a curious and scrappy podcaster, whether that's somebody who who went through Podfade, someone who's starting to launch their show, or somebody who works for an organization who wants to create a podcast for you know in, for internal purposes, like what is some advice that you would give them as they're starting or they're trying to restart their show? Yeah, I would say again, wherever you are always look for the long game. Like, you know, we've all heard that quote where we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in a decade. I think everybody says this, but with podcasting, it really is sort of like a snowball effect. It just grows and kind of, and I think too many people, because even though they might hear it, they're still not seeing that return on investment. So they very quickly bow out. And I would just say like, if you can figure out like your why behind it and get really clear on that. So you're having fun while you're doing it and really focus on the long game with podcasting and really figure out like, how can you kind of enjoy it and keep doing it? There's so much room for growth and there's so much opportunity and it's such a beautiful way to connect with people. So I would definitely recommend people doing it. I just think like, give yourself a chance to grow it into something that you want. You're going to need time for that. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Do you want to let people know like where they can find you? Yeah. And I will say just really quickly that I just want to thank you because you shared with me a spreadsheet on like how to prepare to quit and make that jump. And that became my armor or my ammo to present it to my now wife of like, hey, I haven't figured it out. Otherwise... I would have just made shit up, but like that actually helped me <laughs> to get her buy-in to be able to do this full time. So thank you. I love that. Oh my God. I'm so glad it helped. Of course. Yeah. You guys can find me pretty much most places at lessons from a quitter. So, you know, obviously you're listening to podcasts, you can check out the podcast or I hang out mostly on Instagram. So you could DM me, let me know you guys found me through here and come say hi. But yeah, anywhere, like you can go to lessonsfromaquitter.com and hopefully if you are, you know, unhappy in your career, I can help you make the jump too. Awesome. Thank you again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. No problem. This was so fun. Thanks guys. (laughs) 
Every episode of the Pod On podcast is produced and edited by Studio Pod Media. For more information about our work and our clients, go to studiopodsf.com. Shout out to Gary Oakland for the fire track. Gary O!